Oscar, where's 1049 Park Avenue? This is 1049 Park Avenue! Can two divorced men share an apartment without driving each other crazy? Welcome to 1049 Park Avenue, an odd couple podcast, Ted Linhart, Garrett Eisler. Today, we're going to talk about the Insomniacs, which is episode 20 of season four that aired on March 1st, 1974, and is available to watch on Paramount Plus. Although I wish I was able to get a TV copy because there's a music edit once again that we're going to do our best to make up for, but I couldn't find it anywhere. How is it? So they haven't caught up with the syndication decades decades and all that? Decades runs two a day on weekdays. So that's 10 a week. So it takes a while to get the I mean, with the rights issues, like, do you think, how did they let that? What what do you mean? The music rights. if If the songs still show up in the syndication reruns. Yeah. Does that mean Paramount just never got it? Hasn't caught up with cutting those out or is that no no there's different, different rights when the when the I show see. is sold in syndication the rights were cleared for the music I this is see. this oh, is a big okay. problem northern exposure famously had great music in the show and then when the dvds took a long time to get out because there were so many music rights to clear and they didn't clear a lot of them so rights were sold for tv syndication before dvds even existed and then when dvds came around right. and streaming they had to start new rights so they'd have to buy the music rights from scratch and pay more. So well, TV rights always pretty much have for repeats for syndication, right. have the music cleared. Well, Not all of the time though. Thank God those are that we still have the syndication then. Yeah. I do have VHSs somewhere of a lot of these. Oh, well that was, um, we it would have been a good time to bring, get those yeah. dug up. Hmm. Well, um, maybe by season five. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm hoping because we're going to take a break over Thanksgiving and right. maybe we'll catch up to we'll be able to record some of the upcoming music cuts. So we have them, which I was able to get for a couple a few weeks ago, but um, I somehow we'll, didn't. We'll keep monitoring decades. Decades might catch up to season five by the time we start. Podcasting. Maybe or at least I mean, we should discuss if we want to go back and revisit some of the music cuts that we're talking about weeks later. Maybe that'll be a fun thing to do. Maybe fun for me. Okay. Well, that, that'll make it worth it because we'll be able to catch it. And of course, when we finish the show, we'll have to think of something to do so we could do a whole episode about all the music cuts. Maybe. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. And just sort of like flaunt, flaunt our copyright. <laughs> right. Uh, uh, so who wrote this episode? Oh, well, the writing that? credit on yeah. this is, is interesting to me for a couple of reasons. One, it is Mickey Rose, who we've talked about before. He's been a, basically a, a, a permanent staff writer on season three, one of the leading writers. Uh, but uh, he's written quite a few episodes. He's personally interesting to me because he grew up with Woody Allen and was Woody's first uh, uh, collaborator, writing uh, co-writing screenplays for Take the Money and Run and Bananas and even uh, what's, new, sorry, what's Up, Tiger Lily. Um, but in this episode, it's especially significant because one of the other notable episodes Mickey Rose wrote was The Sleepwalker. Ah, so two top, maybe he... We have Sleepwalker maybe he and had, Insomnia. Maybe he had experienced his own sleep issues. <laughs> yes, perhaps there's some some in from some, some personal uh, intimate uh, knowledge of this issue. 
So we open on a nighttime shot of New York with a very sleepy style of music playing. The first interior shot we see is Oscar's bedroom and a close-up of the New York City garbage can that we see a lot. And then we pan up and we see Oscar's bedroom door that's closed. And then Felix opens it. He comes in with that orange bathrobe we see all the time and he looks exhausted. He walks in and he pushes Oscar, who's asleep on the bed, and Oscar wakes up and all Felix does is say, hi. Oscar <laughs> says, hi, what time is it? Felix says, almost 3 a.m. Oscar asks, what's the matter? The apartment on fire? Felix says, no. Oscar says, then get out of here. Felix <laughs> says, I've got to talk to somebody. I haven't slept for three nights. Oscar says, neither have I. Felix says, I've got insomnia. I'm going out of my mind. And then he honks and he looks at Oscar's mirror and he says, look how awful I look. My face is all gray. And then he notices and says, it's dust on the mirror. And Oscar says, this is a great line. Don't clean my mirror. You'll get seven years bad luck. <laughs> Felix says, how do you get to sleep? Oscar says, tonight I just worked till I was sleepy. And Felix says, and you just went to bed, huh? Oscar says, I, I was already in bed. And he pulls back the covers to show <laughs> that his typewriter was in the bed. Do you think that would be as, I mean, now it gets a big laugh, but, you know, looking at it today, it's like, sure, you know, he's using his typewriter like a laptop. Exactly. Do you think it, you think it would, it probably would not get as much of a laugh no, for a laptop. I don't think so. So it was still considered unusual then to carry around your type, to carry your typewriter in the bed. Yeah. I mean, it's, part of it has to do with Oscar's personality. So I think, you know, I wonder if in the Odd Couple reboot with Matthew Perry, Matthew Perry brings his laptop to bed and they make a joke out of it. But I, yeah, I have to type, bring your typewriter bed seems much more unusual. Yeah. Um, Felix says astounding. I had this in the army, finally fell asleep on guard duty. Oscar says, Felix, will you get out of here, please turn off the light and get out of here. And then Felix mopes out of the room, mumbling another human being in distress and he doesn't care. I don't know what to do. <laughs> Sit up in bed and stare at the wall, stare at the ceiling, wind around the house like an idiot. I don't know what to do. It's agony. So he pulls up a creaky rocking chair in front of Oscar's room just outside and Oscar's tried to go back to sleep, but the rocking now wakes him up mm -hmm. and he sits up, looks at Felix, lies back down and exasperated and goes to credits. Have you ever noticed this rocking chair is never visible in the apartment as far as I can remember, unless Felix needs to pull it up in the hallway he always there's always a seat it only appears when oscar's sleeping and for some reason felix is trying to talk to him in the middle of the night he could it be in his room i guess it could be yeah but i'd be curious if anyone else has ever spotted the rocking chair anywhere on the set or they just pull it out for these scenes well it's like the army cot which we've also yeah right yeah. right i guess there's a must be the spare room where they keep all that stuff right the right yeah um so after the credits it's a new scene felix is serving breakfast and we'll play our first clip from here. Oscar, breakfast. Let's eat. Oh, you in bad shape. Eat your pancakes. I would have had some silverware. I gave you silverware. You gave me three knives. What am I going to do here? Three forks. I raise you two spoons. What do I win? Seven pieces of Where's the syrup? <clears throat> Maybe the reason you can't sleep is you need to be with a girl. Why don't you take Miriam out tonight? I'm too tired. Felix, <laughs> this is floor wax. Uh, I'll wax the floor later. You'll be waxing the floors of Bellevue if you don't get some sleep. But look at this here. I like my bacon a little crisper than that. I'll cook it. 
with a floor wax and raw bacon. It's not exactly the breakfast of champions. Hi, Mr. Unger. Hey, Mary. Hi, Mr. Going. Are you all right, Miss Dunga? You seem a little unoriented. Leave him alone. He hasn't lived to sleep for three nights. Oh, Miss Dunga, you should go to bed. He's been to bed. He can't sleep. He's got insomnia. Oh, I didn't want to insult you and tell you how terrible you look, but now I can tell you. You look terrible. Thank you. You want some coffee? Sure. Cream and sugar? I like it orange. You know, I had insomnia once. How'd you get rid of it? Sleeping pills. I can't take sleeping pills. My body chemistry's all cockeyed. Sleeping pills make me wide awake. Deodorants make me perspire. That's funny. You want to will your body to some university. I've had offers. One from me. Well, let's get to work. As soon as I'll get some sleep. Goodbye, Miss Dunga, and good luck. Gee, the things that happen to you, you could write a book. And now you'll have the time. <laughs> They're making jokes, and I'm drinking orange juice with cream and sugar. Tony Randall's expressions. Yeah. The whole episode, the starting with a scene about being someone who's overtired or great. I mean, he's basically like, like sleepwalking almost through the yeah, scene. Yeah, his eyes are all bugged out. Uh, I love that, how he's when when Myrna says you look terrible. He like, says thank you. Yes, um, I don't feel. And when Oscar says uh, this is four wax equals I'll wax the floors later. Um, <laughs> Not what Oscar meant. Yeah. No, there's that horrible <laughs> dub of Myrna saying hello, Mister Unger. I know, so weird. terrible, um, and it makes you wonder why they had to. I mean, in a way, the the way Felix opens the door and then proceeds to walk out the door um for no reason kind of may have gotten such a big laugh that maybe they couldn't hear uh penny marshall over it. but does who care i mean we have to hear murder say hello like what's it's, and it is so clumsily done it's not not necessary uh the sleeping pill line is of course a huge contradiction in the eyes of april there's a whole episode where dr melnitz yeah. comes because felix has right. taken one sleeping pill which knocked him out completely because he yeah. took it out a few hours you know half hour ago so another big contradiction of the show lots of visual gags here Felix giving Oscar floor wax instead of syrup. Felix giving Oscar raw bacon. Felix Not just leaves- raw bacon, Ted. Bacon in the in wrapper. The packet. In the package. In the package, right. He just right. takes yeah. it out of the fridge. Yeah. So Oscar's reaction, I like it a little crispier than this. It's very funny. Uh, which is a an Iowa Lucy joke. There's an episode oh. where Lucy gives, yeah, um, Ricky raw bacon. Felix leaves the apartment after letting Miriam in. Felix gives Myrna orange juice instead of coffee, where she says, I like it orange. <laughs> and then Felix pouring cream into his orange juice. Uh, so we've a new. Uh, yes. Now, wait. Uh, yes. Uh, yes. Did you catch the little bit of throwaway dialogue, which is just sort of like covering some of Felix's biz- uh, physical business, where Oscar says, You know, maybe you need a girl. Oh, yeah, to be with a girl, you should yeah. call Miriam. Right. <laughs> okay, so is this evidence that uh, Felix yes. and Miriam do have a sexual well, relationship? I guess is it's... that what Oscar is referring to that that he needs. I to... think we are supposed to believe that is the truth. It's just right. on camera, yeah. we it we doesn't look that way. Yeah. yeah, but it's also, I mean, it's quite a uh, 
quite a uh, thing for Oscar to say. <laughs> I mean, he's not spelling it out, but he's just saying, like Felix needs to get laid, and that's yeah, why right. he's not uh, able to sleep. As if he's constantly sexually active throughout the whole series, apparently. Like that's the reason why he's not sleeping now. Oh, I didn't. Oh, I, right. Again, I don't. I don't think I'm to reading me. too much into this. that. I think you are. Line. That last part, okay. you are not. Not okay. the uh, general notion of it. Uh, or maybe he just thinks Felix needs to go out and have a good time. Yes, right. I think he or just <laughs> divert his attention from sleeping maybe. with just yes. some sort of you know having a right. social event. So we have a new scene. We've establishing shot of fake 1049 Park Avenue at night. You see Felix with his hand over his heart singing the end of the national anthem, standing up watching TV. Now, today we think of the national anthem and TV only about sporting events, but even up through the 80s and maybe even a little later, TV stations would shut down their signal, usually from midnight to 6 a.m. to save money. Uh, And here's an example of how that actually sounds from the, I think this is late 70s or early 80s. is Philadelphia, one of America's busiest ports, workshop of the world, key city in the busily growing three-state area of the Delaware Valley. Serving this metropolis of nine million people, WPVI-TV broadcasts the finest of television entertainment, news, and information programs. WPVI-TV is affiliated with the ABC Television Network and is a member of the National Association of Broadcasters, observing the standards of the television code. WPVI is operated on Channel 6 at maximum permitted radiated power with transmitters located in Roxborough and studios located at 4100 City Line Avenue. It is owned and operated by Capital Cities Communications Incorporated. As we conclude our television schedule for today, we invite you to join us later this morning when we will begin another day of telecasting from Channel 6. And now from the staff of WPVI-TV, a very pleasant good morning. I chose that one because a it's an ABC affiliate. That's ABC, ABC, right? Yes. I was just imagining if you were watching The Odd Couple and fell asleep <laughs> in your in your easy lazy boy chair, and uh, and 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 you know after the episode, this is what you might wake up to, you know, seven or eight hours later. And if you you may not picked up on this, but the station was owned by Capital Cities, which later bought ABC in the eighties. <clears throat> but they were already ABC. So how could well, the ABC affiliate? They were oh, affiliate. Oh, yeah, they had an ABC okay. affiliate, but then later they became so strong that they bought them. I also noticed very, very nice uh, uh, illusion that you picked a Philadelphia station because we all know Jack Lugman is a Philadelphia. I didn't native. even. I did not even think. Oh, about you're that. so modest. I didn't. But uh, you know, this this is a really funny relic of the past, isn't it? Because um, this the trope. They're what they're doing in the episode now. This trope of using the flag and the national anthem 
being played on TV as a signifier of it being six in the morning or something or mid- midnight or middle of the mid or midnight even sometimes right sometime really past yeah, midnight or later be, yeah i think it's a little when later. you should be asleep right? right like that is so common in movie i've seen that so many movies uh of just either someone falls asleep watching the tv and the tv just keeps going and they just show that to show that they've been asleep for that long or for for to show that someone's been up way past their bedtime but uh i just find it so but you're right it's like anyone watching TV post 1990s would find this really weird. Do you think, um, what do you, my first thought is, do you think it was infomercials that did away with the need for this? That like once, uh, like they just, as you say, like some of them just didn't want to spend the money on overnight broadcasting, but. I think there, I, I think infomercials may have helped play a role. I think the idea that people were watching TV late at mm. night and staying up later, um, allowed them to make money with some overnight, maybe some stations and cable networks actually started to broadcast, you know, cable networks were 24 hours yeah, a day often. Right, right. And I think they saw that there was a potential there to make money. Cause I remember when I worked at USA network or well, I work at NBC, but it, when I was in the USA network, sometimes we'd have great ratings overnight two, 3 AM with a law and order SVU that would be higher rated yeah. than law and order mm-hmm. at noon. So I think as people started to, find more ways to make money and spread across the airtime and air more content. People realize there was an audience and people who are up either working shifts or although those well, I think the be- other big change that you were indicating with the rise of cable is that this is what we're talking about is a local TV phenomenon, right? Yeah. So it's like when it's 3 a.m. in New York, you're not getting people from the West Coast watching. So, uh, you know, you do have it's either you have to put something on the TV, or you're going to shut down. <laughs> so cable kind of nationalizes the mark, the the market, the audience, whatever. Yeah, yeah. So I I think they just realized there was there was money to be made. Where the original thought was we're losing money because I mean I don't even know that they did the right thing by turning the set off by turning the signal off in the seventies or eighties. I think they just figured no one is up yeah. watching and and right. also <laughs> also the cost of running the. Mm-hmm. The, tra- the signal, the transmitter, I sure. maybe went down enough as equipment and um, technology evolved that it wasn't that much more expensive to turn. It may have been more expensive to turn off because the idea of just starting it up again and shutting it down. During you have to have work. labor. Right. In the old days, especially, you had to have the actual staff. To yes. Right. And automation also, I'm guessing. Yeah, right. Automation mm-hmm. probably played a role. Uh, I'd be curious if anyone knows if any stations still do this. I wonder if there's a local station somewhere that's still. Well, I was reading I, when I was doing research, I did find that I don't know about the shutting down off, but there are stations that are, are airing the national anthem mm-hmm. overnight. I've seen that, you know, now that you mentioned, I think I've seen that before they switch to an infomercial. It's like they're saying, okay, we're not broadcast. This is paid TV time coming. Right. Up. And so I wouldn't be surprised if there's some of that going on. Here. So um, what are we talking about again? We're talking about Felix watching a sign off of a, right. of a TV okay. station. And after he, we hear the national anthem, we hear the announcer say, and that concludes another broadcasting day. Join us when we return to the air at 6 a.m., which is like what we just heard. Now, that announcer is odd couple writer and director Frank Buxton, who just yes. wrote the prior episode, A Different Drummer, that we talked about in four other episodes. He was also directed Shuffling Off to Buffalo. Um, and many others. Many others. Frequent- Basically on the staff, yeah. And he also he's also an actor, but did mostly voiceover work on cartoons and, and shorts, and that's why he's he's a voiceover here. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Felix says to nobody, "What am I going to do till six a.m.?" The announcer says, 
let us pray. And Felix gets down on his knees in a praying position and says, please, please let me get some sleep. Please let me get some now, sleep tonight. Okay. The national anthem, yes. But let us pray. Yeah. I'm not so <laughs> sure how often that happened. I think that was done to get that joke in. <laughs> or is it like suddenly a surreal moment of like a voice in Felix's head? Oh, like, um, the, like the bowling episode. Right. Later. Like he's yeah. just hearing this, you know, in his mind. But uh, the other possibility, though, I must the other thing I thought about when thinking about the switch to overnight broadcasting when I, basically in college in the late 80s, early 90s, when I watched a lot of overnight TV, I remember infomercials and televangelists. Mm. And I wonder whether televangelists, maybe in, even in that era, whoever was doing that then, uh, you bought up some of that time. Well, I do think the signal here was shut down. So I don't think. That's I, true. They just said it was such a bad. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I think this is either. That kind of makes this more like a dreamlike thing. Or, yeah. Or maybe that. Hallucinating. Maybe that was a thing that, that they would. Uh, you think know. some stations might sign off with. Well, I, 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 another, I'm going to, I keep bringing back to other TV shows. When I love Lucy, what I find odd in a couple of episodes, there's a couple of scenes where Lucy and Ricky say to Ricky Jr. Um, say your prayers. Well, say your prayer. Well, that was a common, right. A common so Christian maybe, household thing. Yeah. Maybe that's something stations in, did. In really white Christian America, maybe some stations said that. Yeah. Or, I mean, it is New York City, which would be a little bit more cosmopolitan yeah. and maybe, but anyway, it's either to allow the joke or it's something somebody actually heard. Right. Okay. Um, what are we so talking he, about? So he walks around the room muttering, I need human contact. I need someone to talk to, but Oscar won't talk. So he goes over the phone, he dials a number and he says, hello, Miriam, how are you, sweetheart? He pauses and he says, it's Felix. Pauses again, Felix, listen, did you see the late, late, late show? Which by the way, makes me think it's a little later than midnight to say right. that. It's, pa it's past the late show and past the late, late show. <laughs> it was really a doozer. Barton McLean played a good guy, see? It was a comedy. He was Harry James' agent and the band is traveling through a small town in Idaho. And this gal who works in the box office is Vera Ruba Ralston and she wants to sing with the band. Well, guess how she connives to get a chance to sing with the band? Then Miriam says something. Felix looks at his phone and says, who gives a what? And then Miriam is clearly hung up and he hangs up the phone and he continues to talk out wide and says, that's a side of her personality. I never do. And he sighs. <laughs> I just love this, like impl the sass, this implied sassiness of Miriam. You know, it's, we wish we saw more of that on screen, which is makes it notable that Miriam herself does not even appear in this episode on screen. Um, so all, I thought that was funny. Yeah. All those names are real people. And we'll talk about them. But as far as I could tell, they actually never started a movie. This movie <clears throat> sounds fake, but the people are real. So Barton James, Barton McLean, sorry. Bart, Barton and James, you're thinking of yeah, a wine No, I, I, was miss, I was mixing Harry James and Barton McLean. Barton McLean was an actor with a 40-year career starting in 1926. He was mostly played tough guys, good and evil. A lot of cops, a lot of Westerns. He was in the Maltese Falcon. He played a cop. He was in Treasure of the Sierra Madre, Pocket Full of Miracles. People our age or younger would know him as General Peterson in 35 episodes of I Dream of Genie. Say people our age or younger would yeah, know well, I, I Dream of Genie? I, well, I think there may be kids today still watching I Dream of Genie, or am I completely wrong? Is that still in syndication? Well, yeah. Oh, it's on Decades. <clears throat> decades or Nick at Night. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just okay. people who are 
Oh, the kids, yeah. the kids just love the, the I dream of Jeannie Barber. Oh, know. I imagine I kids are still watching Flintstones and Jetsons. May, am I, maybe I'm wrong, but all right. So let's say people, your our <laughs> yes. age, your age, and my age who do not care about old the movies, older movies like we right. do uh, know him from yeah, I dream of Jeannie. Vera Haruba Ralston first became famous as a Czech figure skater named Vera Haruba in the 30s. <clears throat> she came to Hollywood in the early 1940s. Republic Pictures hired her in the hopes of making the next Sonia Henney, who was a champion ice skater and became a big Hollywood star a decade earlier. <clears throat> the head of studio, Herbert Yates, put Ralston at the end of her name, hoping to make her more Americanized and opening her up for more leading lady roles leading lady roles. She was considered, however, a very bad actress and only really able to get roles because she ended up dating and marrying Herbert Yates, who ran Republic Pictures. <laughs> um, in fact, John Wayne, now I, this is I got from, I, these next two things I got from IMDb, I couldn't double check them. So I'm going to take them as fact. John Wayne's refused to co-star in movies with her after having a few, a few movies with her in them, including the fighting Kentuckian, because he thought that would make, because they flopped and that would damage his career. And then on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson, Maureen Stapleton was asked what she did to make herself feel better when she knew she'd given a bad performance. And quote, she said, quote, I looked through the TV guide and try to find a, a Vera Haruba Ralston picture to watch because I know no matter how bad a performance I have given, I could never be as bad as she was. Ouch. Um, Harry James, of course, was a famous band leader, a trumpet player, and he did appear himself in a number of movies, but I could find none with Barton McLean or Vera Ralston. So somebody took a cornucopia of old movie right. stars and put right. them in some movie they made up. Right. Yeah, I love and I and I love I am here for it, as we say. Um, Did you know those? Uh, I had actually never I've heard those. I guess I've heard those names watching this episode, but I never actually looked them up until now. No, I, you got me. And that's that's uh, outstanding research, Ted, because I um, I mean, I know you Googled it, but still that you took the effort to. Well, that's get what outstanding research is. Yeah, that's what that <laughs> yes. is today. Um, uh, no, those actors' names, although I've seen the Maltese Falcon many times, I uh, didn't pay attention to the name, Bart McLean. Um, I didn't know her name, the actress. Harry James, uh, I knew. That's Harry the James, only yeah. right. And, okay, so here's what I love about this, that, um, that someone, either the writer, Mickey Rose, or more likely, I think, Tony Randall himself, uh, or maybe Gary Marshall, who loves these old movies. There's a genre movie of the big band movie, the swing movie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that, as you mentioned, Harry James, the Dor Tommy Dorsey, uh, Glenn Miller, they all made these, there was a whole genre of movie like Orchestra Wives, I think is the most famous one uh, from the late thirties and forties where band, big band leaders played themselves in some kind of crazy romantic comedy. And, um, and so the plot sounds like what those movies were like, but some fan of those films has input has put in random actors names from the period and created a whole you know imaginary movie so it sounds like the kind of thing tony randall would get a kick out of but now if someone out there can tell us we're wrong and there yeah. is a real movie show it to us and we'll talk about it next time but i i did spend some time on imdb looking at all three of these people yeah. to see if someone else was in a movie or these three were in a movie. I it is like literally, the, I guess like the most random combination of actors, especially if one of them isn't considered notoriously bad. As yeah. Implied. So the next scene is visual of the next part of this, this 
scene, the next bit. There's a set of poker chips and a fancy wooden holder on the dining room table, which I don't think we've ever seen before. Hmm. I think we've, well, we've certainly seen poker. I mean, right, like but we've seen this, this kind of nice wooden poker chip holder. And why is it on the table? If no well, it's on the table for this bit, but it would right. be theoretically being the, yeah. uh, because Oscar's played poker recently, I guess, or is going to play poker. Right. Right. But, so you didn't answer the question. Oh, Have, I think I've seen that thing when they play poker. Okay. Uh, so but I'm not Felix, sure. Felix walks over to it. He takes one of the poker chips out of the holder. He puts it, he bends his arm backwards or he bends his arm he bends his arm and he puts the chip on the outside of his elbow and then whips his arm forward and catches the chip and the audience applauds. Then he does that again with three to four chips and the audience is even more impressed. Then he does seven to eight chips and the audience is completely overwhelmed. And we're going to play a clip of that, which leads into the next scene, which is another breakfast scene. This is Tony Randall showing off again, as he likes yeah, to do. It's this weird, it's like another, uh, uh, vanity <laughs> genre of odd couple bits where like they need to kill time so let, let's have tony show off his acrobatic his random set of acrobatic skills and the noise you'll hear when this clip start is that is him catching the chips Come on. That letter 
What letter? Postage due. Yeah. I had a trek all the way back to the post office. Well, what was it? Turned out to be an ad for freckled cream. Oh. <laughs> Gave them such a piece of my mind. That night, I saw Gloria in the supermarket with another man. Next day, Tuesday, on the subway, a disgusting wino oh, sat down it. next to me. Back it up a little bit. Back it up a little bit, please. What? Back it up. Monday, my shirt. No, 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 no. Between the freckled cream and the wino. Yeah. You said something about Gloria? Yeah. Yeah? Saw her in the supermarket with another man. You saw your ex-wife with another man? Yeah. That doesn't... I completely... I've completely blocked it out. Of course you blocked it That's out. That's it. Of course it's it. I'm jealous of the other man. Sure, you know how jealous you are. The last time you saw Gloria with another man, you went on a hunger strike. You would only eat foods that started with the letter G. <laughs> For three weeks, all we ate was grapefruit, gizzards, and garbanzo beans. <laughs> You think that's it, I huh? know that's it. Jealousy slays itself with its own arrows. Yeah. That's what's keeping me awake. All right, now that you know what it is, do something about it. Talk to I her. can't talk to her. She's got a perfect right to go out with other men. A right she exercises at every conceivable opportunity. Besides, she hates me when I'm jealous. And I hate you when your eyes are open, so do something about it. <laughs> Where are you going? Back to bed. What should I do with the eggs? <laughs> You've got a coarse mind, you know that? So the end there, Oscar just gives him a dirty look when he says, what should I do with the eggs? Uh, so in terms of the energy crisis reference, the oil embargo of 1973 had just ended or was ending the month this episode aired. So there was a major oil crisis, energy crisis going on. Another great topical 70s line. Uh, but it's also really funny that Felix uses that as his excuse for why it would be dark yeah. at 4 a.m. So at the beginning, Felix says he made Oscar's favorite style of eggs, which are shirred. S-H-I-R-R-E-D. I've never heard. He, I've, he does. He, he says that. I never noticed it before. By the way, oh. I think that contradicts other egg scenes in this show. We all, yes, they like, we've heard preferences for many kinds of eggs. I looked up, shirred eggs are a thing. They uh, are eggs that have been baked in a flat bottom dish. And the name originates from the type of dish in which it was traditionally baked. And I looked it up and they look delicious, but I never heard of it before. And I guess I've seen this scene many times and I don't remember what I thought he said there. I probably, probably like, I th I'm sure I thought he said stirred. What is that? What is stirred <laughs> I, eggs? I, not that that means anything, but it just, it's a word that I recognize having something to do with cooking. Um, but what you're saying here is that shirred eggs are kind of like uh, either antiquated or special, a highly specialized way of doing it. And that's, that seems unusual for Oscar to have a very rarefied way of eating something as opposed to just the common man. That's true. That's true. So in a new scene, Oscar comes in the apartment and asks Felix if he took care of that thing with Gloria. Felix says yes, and Oscar says, good, I'm going to get a beer. And then before he finishes his sentence, he's, he says, good, I'm going to get a beer, and he's going to do something else. But he sees cookies coming out of the oven, and he says, hey, cookies, let me have one. Felix says, no, they're not for you. Oscar says, who'd you make them for? Felix says, I had a brainstorm. I hired a special investigator to find out about that man with Gloria. Oscar says, you're going to pay him off with cookies? And Felix says, yeah, well, he's just starting out. And that, from there, we'll play the next clip. There he is. Where? He's letting himself in the front door. Does he ring the bell? He uses his credit card. 
investigate aggression and report again, sir. Hi, Oscar. Hi, what do you think? Do I look like Columbo? You look more like Gumbo. This is my plain clothes outfit. You see, underneath I got my policeman's outfit. Well concealed. Sure, that's where the force would want it. Murray, what did you find out? First, where are my cookies? Give me the clues and I'll give you the cookies. I got the clues right here. Facts. Just facts. Suspect is male, white, Caucasian. Five foot ten, blue eyes, brown hair. I know what he looks like, Murray. Suspect's name? Bud Herzog, automobile insurance agent. Talking to Gloria about her bumpers. I'll kill her. I'll kill every Herzog in New York. Felix, she had a minor traffic accident. They were discussing a settlement. How'd you dig all this up? I asked Gloria, she told me. All right, listen, so what? He cured your problem, right? I'll be able to get some sleep. Murray, thanks. I'll call you anytime I need a private nose. <laughs> so we have a new scene. Oscar's in bed sleeping again. He has a beer in his hand while he's sleeping. I don't know if you noticed that. Uh, he, it, he's sleeping in the bed, but there's a, he's got a, his hand around oh, a right, beer. Right. Yes, yes. I did not notice. You're right. I did not notice that. Uh, Felix walks in, turns the light on, which wakes Oscar up, and he comes in all chipper. He says, hi, Oscar. I made you some warm milk to help you get to sleep. Oscar just stares at him. him. So Felix says, no? Okay, I'll drink it. He takes a sip and says, it's good. Just my way of saying thanks, Oscar. I guess I've been a sort of a pain in the rump to you these past few days, but so be it. That Gloria thing has proved to be a blind alley because I'm wide awake. I'm up, up as a pup. And then he barks, which I'm not going to try to <laughs> imitate. Do you want to? <laughs> and we go to commercial. And during that whole time, Oscar just yeah. stares at him. <laughs> One of those great Klugman stares. Dead so man stare. We have a new scene. A cab pulls up to fake 1049 Park Avenue. We've seen Tony Randall's inside the cab. So he's really doing that scene. Maybe it's from another episode. But I think, yeah, I, I wondered if we've seen that before. Yeah. He gets out and we cut to Oscar in the living room and he looks back at the bedrooms and he says, just holler when you're through, Barney. He walks towards the couch, says, oh boy, and sits down and starts reading the newspaper. Felix walks in from work clearly because he's got his camera bag on and he's still looking exhausted. Oscar says, hi, old buddy. Felix says, hi, and asks Oscar how he is. Oscar says, okay. He asks Felix how he's doing. Felix says, nice, nice. I had a really... I had a little nap today. Oscar gets very excited and says, really? Felix says, I fainted in my dark room. I overdeveloped an entire bar mitzvah. So a man comes out into the living room from the bedroom in white overalls and says, it's all set up, Oscar. Oscar says, thanks. Those playoff tickets are yours, Barney. Barney says, thanks, and good luck with that thing. I don't know why we needed a person here. Like, I don't know why they hired a guy to play a thing that Oscar could just have had this object in the room in the house. Barney was played by Don Gazaninga, who was a bit actor on many shows such as Penn Casey, Twilight Zone, Burke's Law, Andy Griffith, Honey West, Mod Squad, Mission Impossible, and Hill Street Blues. Felix asks who that was, and Oscar says in response, I promised you I'd get you a good night's sleep. I'm going to keep my promise, and also I'm going to get some sleep myself. Felix says, who is that guy? Oscar says, he's a used furniture. Come on. Oscar heads to Felix's room. Felix says, used furniture? Oscar says, will you? Come on. Next, we see them enter Felix's room, and Oscar 
saying, you're going to be so surprised. There you go. And he stands by the bed. Now, the bed is on the opposite side of the room than we've seen in the past. But consistent with this episode. Yes. Well, what? Well, 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 is this is that's the first time we're seeing his room? Yes, first time we see this room. But like but in we'll the see ep- at the end of the episode, his normal bed is back and is in this position. Yes, but what I'm saying is every other time we see Felix I agree. Room, the bed's on the, other on the side. other side of the room. However, Ted, yes, to be fair, people do move the furniture around in their in their rooms sometimes. Uh, I <laughs> so I can't say this it can't be consistent. I'm trying to think if I've ever done that. I guess people do that. People move the furniture around all the time. There. All right, fine. Um, I but I, I'm more curious about why uh, Gary Marshall and company thought in one case it was good to have it on one side and another good to have it on the other side. Well, that's what I was kind of saying. Yeah, right. I was talking about more in the show. So you're, 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 Defending it and then criticizing it. Is this, <laughs> no, how, you, not, that's, is this how you I, parent as well? Yes, this is exactly how I parent. Um, and the, I'm not criticizing it. I have a genuine, I'm very curious on what, uh, on what criteria it mattered, which side of the room the bed was on. I see. Um, so, he, he stand, so he's standing by the bed waiting for Felix to, see something felix says what oscar says you don't know anything different you don't notice anything different i don't believe it look at this he pushes on the bed and we see the mattress jiggle and oscar says a waterbed huh look at that and that will lead us into this next scene look at that you got me a used waterbed the bed is old the water is new it's moving all new water one more you try if you like it on a waterbed, I need a firm mattress. All right, we'll freeze it. Get and try it. Oh, look at that. Go ahead. There you go. That's it. Oh, oh, oh there you oh. go. There. Rock. Just relax. Right, that's it, man. It's like sleeping on jello. Right. We're on the record. Okay. What record? Oh, wait till you see. This is a special record. Special sound effects, see? And you're lying on the water, you'll hear the rolling surf. Yeah. Sounds of the sea. What was that? Put on the wrong side. Auto hijinks. Uh, okay, Prom- go ahead. Go back to sleep. Here Promise me the sea. You nearly ran me over. Okay, just relax. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, listen to all that water. Where are you going? I gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> so we have a uh, waterbeds. Obviously, were kind oh. of a, a rage at the time. Um, I'm not sure yes. when they they went out of fashion well, at some point. Well, it's funny you should ask Ted because I, I took the liberty while we were listening to that to do a little Ted Linhart style research uh, uh, and on the internet, and turns out the. While waterbeds had been, there have been various experiments with it, even going back to the 19th century for spa and health reasons. Uh, the modern consumer, you know, uh, universal waterbed was uh, only became available in 1971. Oh, only three years before this. Exactly. So quite the current fad uh, that was on the market as you know, marketable to uh, everyone. 
and uh, peak sales uh, it's, it, were in 1987 at 22% of the domestic mattress industry. And then it was downhill from there. 1987? Yeah. And I'm surprised it persisted into the 80s. Um, so there you have it. But of course, the joke here is that it makes Felix seasick. Well, and combined with the with the water the sound effects. Yeah. Sound <laughs> I love that Oscar has, first of all, he has a sound effects record, which you, if you wanted sound effects in this, this, you couldn't just get them off the internet. You had to buy a specially made, uh, you know, LP of sound effects. And he gets it on the wrong side and he calls it, it's called auto auto hijinks. Yes. Which is <laughs> it's the car crash. That sounded, that it sounded like a little more than hijinks. Hijinks. Yeah. Why don't we listen to a waterbed ad? Wow, Ted, you really did the research. Here we go. Waterbed Warehouse. It's happening. The biggest savings event of the year. The Waterbed Warehouse's marathon sale. Yes, over 2,000 bids have been brought in especially for the sale and have been made ready for immediate delivery. Save up to 50% on a fantastic selection this weekend, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday only during the Waterbed Warehouse's marathon sale with special store hours, 9 a.m. till midnight, three nights only. Hurry for your chance to save at the Waterbed Warehouse. The Waterbed Warehouse, Seattle and Renton. That's from 1979. Wow. I think that it, would I, be around the peak time. Yeah. I think when I was a kid, I wanted one. And I wonder if it was because of this. I, although I think my, one of my other friends had one, I believe. I also think that may be true. Did you ever want one? I never wanted one, but I did have the experience of, of sleeping on one while I was away on a, a job somewhere and I was put up in someone's house and they had one. That was what they had in their guest. And room. how was it? Um, it was weird, but I slept okay. All right. So I did not get seasick. The next scene, Oscar sticking pins in a small doll that I guess supposed to be Felix and he's saying sleep, Felix, sleep. Where did that doll come from? You know, again, I guess I was watching this on my phone again, so I didn't get a good look at well, what did it look like? It looked like a we really, I think, only saw the back. It looked like a little doll with like a voodoo doll of Felix. Like we didn't see his generic face. Plot, like just a blank human figure. No, no, it was dressed like in a jacket and it wow. looked like a little businessman. We That's only saw weird the, that Oscar we saw would the just back have that of it. lying around. <clears throat> yeah, it almost felt like there was some sort of edit there, although I don't believe we have any information. It just was weird that he had this doll. Uh, Murder's handing him pins to push in the doll. Murray says, Oscar, let me try my plan. And Oscar says, what kind of plan is that? You're going to yawn. He's going to fall asleep. Murray says, yes, it's scientifically, scientifically proven. If you watch people yawn, it makes them tired and sleepy. I'm not going to be obvious. I'm going to help tell him a sleepy story and sneak in some yawns. Then we hear Felix honk. And Myrna says, I think he's coming. And they all rush over to the couch. And Felix comes in holding a very long duster in his hand, which is important to know for the dialogue in this next scene. Five days. So what were you cleaning now? My ceiling. I spent so much time staring at it, I know every speck of dust on it. It's clean now, so don't walk on it. I haven't lost my sense of humor. Listen, Murray wants to tell you a nice story. A story? Yeah, terrific yeah, story. Yeah. Go ahead, Murray. Sit over here. Sit down. Come on, right here. There you go. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Right here. Right here. Now, pay close attention to what I say. I was just out walking my beat, 
And I went past this great big pillow factory. <sighs> All those great big soft white pillows. <sighs> Inside, all the men were sawing wood. Then they stopped and drank some nice, warm milk. Mm, it was delicious. Then in came the sheep. What for? To jump over the fence. One, two, three. How many were there? Oh, I don't know, about 18. Oh, this is not going to work, Murray. <laughs> so the sight gag at the end is that Myrna has fallen asleep and she was <laughs> sitting on the well, the arm of the couch. And then when Leaning Oscar got on up on Oscar, Oscar right. and when Oscar got up, she fell over <laughs> the couch because she was asleep. Amusing. Uh, now, before the next clip, which is the... the um, uh, of the final scene of the show there's a what i think is a music so we're we've been alerted we've been made aware there's a music cut and i do remember this from the show where um oscar Miriam, murray and myrna are singing to felix in a rocking chair right because they're they're there it's like a, a, a they try a number of ways to try to get felix to sleep so they've come for this kind of insomnia intervention night yes where they're trying and so the the story fails and then they try something else right so they try to sing to him and it almost works he's like falling asleep but then murray screams uh, one more time when they finish so the song they sing is johnny mercer's dream and i don't have them singing it but i have a, a clip of the andrews sisters singing it so uh -huh. let's listen to that song so we understand what they're singing sleepy song right? yeah yeah for what? um uh, but is, you're right it's so funny this is such a shame they cut it because it's so funny that felix is starting to nod off and it's a great al molinaro moment where he just goes one more time so i i do think we can get it eventually when yeah. we record them um and again and i think he's playing the his ukulele again oh okay so uh, i think so now we have we're, we have another new scene. Felix is lying in bed awake. Oscar comes in with a box. The water bed is gone, which they acknowledge, um, which seems like a lot of work to bring in. A lot of work to get that yeah. guy come back in. Yeah, Barney. <laughs> Barney. Uh, and uh, so this is the last scene of the show. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's the best scene. It's five minutes, but it's it you have to play the whole thing. Mm -hmm. 
in your own bed, you can't sleep. What do you got there? Where do you see, buddy? Take a oh, look. Oh, look, all my old toys. Yeah, I found them down in the cellar. All the rest of the junk that your mother sent last year. Call a man's past junk. Oh, my blankie. <laughs> what did you bring this stuff up for? Well, you always told me when you were a kid you never had any trouble sleeping, right? Yeah. I figured all this stuff back reminded you of childhood. You sleep like a baby again. My bed, my mother used to You've got a little spot, and maybe you weren't so neat as a kid, huh? My mother did that. She could never handle a spoon. <laughs> Here's my favorite teddy bear, Mr. Friend. I slept with him for five years. Still got a cellophane on. This is the original. Wanted to keep him clean. These things collect lint, you know. Oh, I love them. What else we have? Oh, my books, my stories. All right, Everything all right, Phoenix. Now it's time oh, to go to bed. Put your toys away. No, 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 please. No, no, you must go to bed. It's just what my father used to do. What else did your father do? He'd say, good night, Junior. Good night, Junior. Oh, let me stay up five no, minutes. No, no, Junior, you oh, must go to bed, Junior. Uh, read me a story. Read you a story? My father always read me a story before I went to bed. <laughs> the Red Riding Hood. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. I love it. <laughs> Once upon a time, this is your favorite part. So sit up nice and listen. <laughs> Once upon a time, louder. He can't hear through the cellophane. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a. Goldilocks got such a fright that she jumped right up and ran down the stairs, out of the house and into the forest. And Goldilocks never went back to that little house again. And Mr. Friend is asleep, and Mr. Enemy is wide awake. You almost got me during Rumpelstiltskin. There's nothing left to try, Fizz. I'm going to check into a hotel and sleep for 80 years. No, 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 no. Come on. It's still early. It's only 11.30. Come on. Are you Read out of your mind? It's after 2. No. Yes. I thought it felt kind of late. My watch has stopped. My brand new electronic watch. How do you like that after six days? Six days you've had that watch? Yeah. What'd you get? Now, that watch ad I did, I told you. They gave me a watch. What'd you do with your old watch? Gave it to my assistant. That's an electronic watch. Yeah. Does it make a noise? It goes, hmm, when it works. And your old watch? My old watch goes tick, 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 tick. What kind of question is that? Well, you'll see. Get into your position when you go to sleep. Go oh. ahead. Do what I tell you. Go ahead. Will you? Listen to Dr. Seuss. What? Do you see the way your head's resting when you rest yeah. there? Yeah. You miss the ticking of the other clock. Really? I know it. Tomorrow, when you get your watch back from your assistant, you'll sleep like a baby. Yeah, but what about tonight? I can't go through another night without sleeping. I'll lose my mind. Uh, All right, get into position. Go ahead. Tick, 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 tick.
Bild? You sleep? Five o'clock in the morning, I can't fall asleep. Will it cook me some breakfast? So the end, Oscar, who now has insomnia for some reason, takes Mr. Friend and sits in the rocking chair and rocks. It pulls up the same rocking chair. Yeah, it's right. a nice little switcheroo or a role reversal, you could say, at the, to give it a twist at the end. So I like this episode a lot. Um, it's funny. I, I like that there's like an interesting logical explanation for why Felix can't sleep. I've always been impressed by the resolution especially for a show that sometimes doesn't Although take those things. Although it is a little unusual for someone to sleep with their watch on. I, uh, I, uh, uh, that's fair. Although I think I used to. Yeah. I don't anymore. I feel like at some point I did. But um, but hey, maybe I guess Felix needs it to go to sleep. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's a, I never thought about that, but I still... I, I thought they still took it seriously because I think there are people, yes, just like did. you say, the people move furniture around. I believe there are people who sleep with their, with their watch on. <laughs> oh, the world's full of all kinds of crazy people. Uh, so I, I, I just thought that it was a good resolution to it. If it wasn't, I think it would bother me. Yeah. So yeah. Um, I, I give this four out of five Murrays because it's just a solid, entertaining episode with lots of little bits and Tony Randall's uh, interpretation of someone who's awake for many, many days just elevates it you know it's funny i came in giving this three murrays and just uh re re-experiencing it uh just now it's not as weak as i thought but i give it three and a half i think it's a lesser one um just because the premise is i mean they milk it as much as they can i guess but it still feels like barely enough to get them through an episode, which is why they have to have Tony Randall start flipping poker chips in the middle, you know, to, to take up time. Um, and uh, there's no big belly laughs for me. A lot of amusing things, uh, a lot of chuckles. Um, but, and the two actors get the most out of it. I think they, I mean, it's really a character study. It becomes more about the character getting deeper into the character's behavior than about the plot itself. Cause the plot is just, he can't sleep and now he can sleep. So um, it also is notable. This is not a criticism, but it's sort of notable to me how cheap this episode is, <laughs> which was necessary after like, we've done a number of show episodes like the flying Felix, where you had multiple sets and all these extras and all these uh, supporting players. And here we're back just to the apartment, the two regulars, Murray and Myrna and a couple of walk-ons. Well, I don't even need I just one walk-on. You just Barry. I don't even know why they needed Barney. Yeah. Not Barry. Barney, how dare you? I'm <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, he didn't make that much of an impression on me, I guess. Um, so it's just noticeable in, in how they, you know, Gary Marshall's always saying that this, he had to negotiate this throughout the seasons, like how to spend, he had to figure out which episodes were gonna cost a lot and then had to program in some scale down ones and this feels it, like a scale down it's what's known sometimes as a bottle show where everything 
yeah bottle everything's kept in one I basically see. set um yeah. it, that's usually used for dramas yeah. um but in this case it's kind of what they did yeah so i kind of i maybe i feel a little bit of a letdown after some of the more elaborate ones but the 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 good side of the bottled episodes is that it's all about the two guys in the apartment and you get to see them playing with each other at length don't that sound weird playing uh, uh against off each, each other. other yeah off yeah. each other thank yeah. you uh all right well if you have any uh feedback or uh, insight in this episode of some of the questions we asked or know with barton mcclain and or if you Vera have a waterbed if you have a waterbed <laughs> or you stepped on my joke if you know if barton mcclain vera huruba ralston and harry james are in a movie um let us know uh garrett you've got 30 minutes damn it garrett you've got 30 seconds to put the sandman back in my eyes Say something. I'm leaving this in. <laughs> okay. I was going to make a, I was going to do the uh, same joke. Yeah. Oh, so. Um, good night. All right. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>